Alright, what is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent. I'm going to switch up the intro. It's getting a little getting a little repetitive. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Willet Pot Barrel Bourbon. Did I say that correctly? Pot Still Reserve. Pot Still Reserve. I did not say it correctly. Close. Uh, that's what we're imbibing tonight on the podcast. We've got uh, two Anons in the studio today uh, that I've met in person. are not anonymous to me, but are anonymous to you. Uh, we've got Bob Fogg, B-O-double-B-F-O-double-G. What's and, good? And Sam in the studio. What's good, man? What's up, guys? Um, for the, I mean, none of you know, Bob and I have met here in the city to talk crypto a few times, really like his perspective, especially given his background. We're not going to talk about his background because it's a very niche market, but, um, really like his views. He's been around for a while, uh, more under the radar. Uh, we talk a lot about how everybody's on Twitter, um, but this Bob, you have not been on Twitter forever, have you? Not particularly. I no. think I might have like nine followers <laughs> and, and, and maybe like 10 tweets. So uh, <laughs> He's quite excited about it. Um, yeah, man. So how did you get into Bitcoin? You went to you went to university here in New York, right? Yeah, around. Uh, I was uh, at college around the city. Ended up getting into Bitcoin uh, in like 2012, 2011, 2012, I want to say. Um, I think 2012 was when I first took the jump in there. Um, and it's definitely been a wild ride ever since, but I think that being said, my conviction in the asset class has only grown and it's been cool to watch it grow too. Um, just, just yes. given what's up. Yeah. You got to speak like right into it, like right into it like yeah. this. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just, uh, like, so I, I am, I'm in finance. I don't really want to like specify too much, uh, where I sit. But, um, you know, watching it uh, and the opinions of people in the industry and how that's grown over the last, I don't know, between five and ten years has been really interesting. What's the wild ride been like for you? So, I've talked about my wild ride, getting getting into it, uh, getting into shitcoins, and then falling out of love with shitcoins, and falling back in love with Bitcoin. Is your past similar at all? What was sort of retrading back in the MinPal days, back on Gox? What was that like? You know... Definitely not uh, not as far back then. I would say I am more interested in the shit coins now than I was. So actually, this is something I'm pretty excited to like get into with you because uh, I think our views are a little bit different um, where you're sitting like from the, I guess, what is known as like the Bitcoin maximalist perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to hit you on that a little bit. Hit me. Um, hit me. I've if, been a if bad you're boy. Yeah, so I mean, like, I don't know if you want to jump in right there. You want to jump in on some of the, uh, like, the headlines that have come out, you know, especially in, like, the last week. Um, the price is not doing too hot right now. Price is not doing hot. Not doing hot. I'm looking at it right now. We actually might end with a green candle today. We're at, yeah, it's green. Candle's green. We're at 92. Um, making a little bit of recovery, but we, uh, we were at a height of around 11.8 at one point this week. So we've fallen about $3,000 almost. 2500 give or take. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's been a big thing. So that's what we were talking about before uh, we started recording was sort of, it was it was a lull, a lull time in the space for at least a month, which in this space feels like eight years. And I actually tweeted out a couple of weeks ago, I think it's been, it's like too quiet, something's going to happen. And of course this week, a lot of things happened. We had Mt. Gox. Uh, I, I guess they, the trust that is 
responsible for redistributing uh, funds to Mt. Gox uh, survivors, let's say, let's call them, um, or not survivors, victims, um, uh, published a report that basically had shown that they've been selling off Bitcoin at, at market price, like on, on exchanges uh, over the last three months. So that's interesting, Mt. Gox. We can't get away from that saga. Uh, it's always coming back to bite Bitcoin in the ass. Uh, on top of that, uh, good news, I would say, Coinbase announced index funds that they're going to start offering uh, institutional investors. The SEC came out to slap ICOs down. Uh, that, was, that was probably the biggest news of the week, in my opinion. We'll get your opinion uh, in a minute. And then we had Binance, which had a malicious phishing attack. Uh basically affect a lot of their customers. A lot of their customers uh, got caught up in a phishing scam and uh, the trading bot, I guess they blamed it on, stole a bunch of their their altcoins, pumped via coin, and then sold everything back into Bitcoin. Weird, weird hack there. Uh, obviously, we had the price fall, and then the other big news of the week, which I would put at number two, uh, is Japan clamping down on their exchanges, uh, forcing them to get licensed as money transmitters. Uh, what were you thinking through this week? This news came all at once uh, in a pretty, pretty, pretty quick fashion. I try not to pay attention to the news associated with Bitcoin because uh, I think... I jump from the news headlines to the price um, way too much, and I don't think it's worth it. Uh, so I guess like with that high-level uh, qualification, I think the index funds on Coinbase are really interesting. I also don't like it. I, I don't like the selection of what they got on Coinbase, and therefore I feel like it's almost like a marketing play more than anything else. Yeah, I would agree. It's uh, I think that's weighted like sixty-seven percent Bitcoin, seventeen uh, percent Ether, and then a little bit of Bcash and Ripple as well. Or I think that's on there, right? Yeah. N- now, is it weighted by market cap? No. Well, it can't be because Ripple's so low on there, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what it's weighted by. I don't know what they're weighting, what they're using to weight it. But so so interestingly enough, um, I mean, Coinbase is obviously not the only. Uh, not the only person to do this and market it to institutional guys. I mean, like literally this week, I was talking to someone who was running, I, I guess, what you could refer to uh, as a, they're, they're like a crypto-focused asset manager. And I mean, th- they do this as well. What they refer to it is a large cap index fund, and it's like one of uh, a few different offerings that they have. Um, so I can totally understand Coinbase wanting to do that. And I mean, like at this point, it's like it's, it's competition, right? And they, they need to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's tough, too, because you're really walking that line between doing right by basically like the retail investors, which are 99.99% of people. Like this is not an institutional play. No. Um, and, and I mean, I think that's where it's also interesting for me to just look at this industry as a whole is, you know, most of what I work on in my job is all institutionally focused investments. Um, and any institution would essentially laugh at the concept of, <laughs> of, of investing, uh, in, in Bitcoin or another asset. I mean, like I, 
my personal conviction is that probably won't be the case for uh, forever, but it's it certainly is right now. So it's like you have these guys like the Coinbase's, like the other larger, um, you know, hedge fund types who who are making a play towards the the institutional guys. Um, but it's really like it's just targeted to rich people, and then it's a question of like who knows how much, and like you know, it's really hard to assess assess the risk there. Yeah. No, it sort of reminds me. Uh... Like the the tepidness of the institutional investors to jump in, they have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure they know exactly what they're getting into, and nobody knows exactly what's going on in crypto. So, from a fiduciary uh, standpoint, like I would, I don't, I don't blame them for being cautious at all. But it's actually, uh, actually funny while you were saying that, I drew parallels to the ongoing uh, debate about whether or not we should change the proof of work. So. A lot of people think Bitmain has too much control, but I would argue, yes, that's true, but uh, Bitmain took a huge risk early on in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies lifespan. Like The incumbents that would have created chips to to mine Bitcoin for the last 10 years, like the risk the risk is too large for them, like your, for your NVIDIAs, your ARMs, like to make ASIC chips specifically for Bitcoin. Uh, for how big they are, the risk just isn't worth it. Like maybe it's not for the institutional investors right now to jump into these funds, and maybe that's why Bitmain has the market uh, share that it does, and why Coinbase has the market share that it does because they've been willing to take that risk. Good for them. I don't think they're going to be the only games in town forever or the biggest games in town forever. But I think what we're seeing is sort of a uh sort of the nature of the beast of this new asset class is these these incumbents aren't able to take as much risk as these other these go-getters as you say well yeah i mean i think the question really is okay so let's say that you were running the cash for the the retirement plan the pension for the teachers of the state of new york or the like California employees retirement system. They need to take all the risk they can, Calpers. <laughs> <laughs> Calpers needs to take as much risk as it can. Well, they're a little different because they can they can move markets. They're yeah. they're they're huge. But but you know if you're looking at it from that perspective, and you know it's like you're trying to do right by these like you know what are considered like public servants. It's like okay, like you, you know is that acceptable? And, and I think you know. So I, I listened to the episode with Ari last week, and I mean he was in U Chicago, like. Uh, he had to ask himself that question as well. I mean, obviously from like a little bit of a different perspective, the university endowment look, but I mean, it's still like the same thing, right? I mean, you're trying to do right by someone who is not yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a high net worth or a family office, it's totally different because like, you know that, you know, that, that that's your cash that's on the line. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it's tough. I, I think like personally, if I did it, I, I would definitely invest in the crypto asset class. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of benefits to jumping in right now. It's like, number one, you do a very small amount. So if you're working with billions of dollars, that small amount can be significant relative to the crypto space right now, mm-hmm. which I think is really good. Um, and also, you, you know, you can really like if you're so in the private equity industry, the guys that jump in first, um, they're allowed to basically set the terms of the engagement uh, and set the terms of the of the partnership that that it that eventually becomes a private equity fund. And, and those what they refer to as like first closers, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, they can really uh, th- they can negotiate uh, terms that are much more advantageous for them. And you know, if I was running an endowment or something like that, I would go to one of these guys, say, okay, like you know, I don't. 
I am not going to allocate a large portion of my cash, but it's large for you guys. And it would actually put you in play and it, it would put you um, totally differently in the eyes of the the institutional investor asset class. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you could like get, cut your fees in half. You could negotiate way better, like way less carry. And you could just make it so, you know, you're basically like running the game from, from that perspective. And then everyone would look to you for a thought leader. So I think there's a lot of upside there. Definitely. And the way I view it coming from the managed futures space, like when I worked for the managed futures fund, like when we would go pitch to to RIAs and, and investors looking to to put risk somewhere, managed futures is such a niche market that we would fight for one to five percent of a portfolio. So I then that's like a a good marketing plan, I would say. Like when you're going you're you're being straight up. Like I don't want I don't want fifty percent. I don't want thirty. I don't want twenty or even ten percent of your portfolio. One or for crypto, I would say like a half to like one and a half percent. Yeah, absolutely. At most, like, and if you're if you're an institutional investor, I mean, if you've seen the returns over the last ten years, like it would be dumb to pass up that risk. And, and a half a percent is still like, yeah, I mean, depending on who it is, it's, you can it make is, that up in management fees. Yeah, Fuck yeah, it. yeah, easily, like like multiples of billions of dollars. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy, like if not hundreds of million dollars yeah. for some guys. Um, um, so yeah, yeah. So I uh, I want to hear the tongue lashing I'm going to get for being a maximalist. What? Why do you disagree with me? You're not allowed to disagree. Me, nobody is. I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> the second I walked into the studio, that was that, that was what I had agreed upon, right? Um. Well, I guess. Okay. So I want to like ease into it, right? Let's ease into it. Okay. So, I guess f- my first question, more so than you know how you refer to yourself as a maximalist, is see. Let's let's take a step back there for maximus. Refer to myself as a max, maximalist. Let's uh let's lay this out for everybody. Okay. Bitcoin maximalist was coined by Vitalik Buterin as sort of a as sort of a uh like an offensive term. He coined it as an offensive term for the toxic Bitcoin community, the Bitcoin maximalist. And as Bitcoiners, we we took that and sort of turned it on its head and say, all right, we'll we'll embrace it and. Maximalist, yeah, it comes with a weird connotation, but what I call myself a maximalist, it's more to, one, I do believe that Bitcoin, I don't think, I don't know if it's going to be one chain to rule them all, but I think it will be the dominant chain in the long run, and two, is to sort of throw some schadenfreude at, at Vitalik, not schadenfreude, but uh, throw some shade at Vitalik, like for you creating this this term revolving around toxicity when, when this should be a meritocracy and, and feelings shouldn't come into play. That that's not the first time in history that uh, a group of people have taken a term that was used to offend and uh, have uh, spun it to benefit themselves. I'm not going to go further than that, though. I guess my first question, just out of curiosity, is like, okay, now now you have decent, like you you have a good sized following. You have the the backing of uh, you know a pretty large company, or at least the resources of that, right? Um, you, you know, you've you've become at least in my opinion, uh, a, a player of some significance in the space. So, you know, your voice is respected. Wow. Uh, I, like, okay, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. go that far. Okay, but, but either either way, we're, let's just, If even if you don't agree, let's pretend that's I'm the case. I'm an idiot right? screaming online. Yeah, that works. <laughs> so I, I think the question, though, is like, do you feel like you have to... You sort of have like an image to uphold, or like, do you do you think there has been a removal 
or, or do you ever feel a discrepancy between like uh, your own viewpoints and then an opinion that you feel like you have to take because of something that you had like previously said? No, not at all. Big big fan of strong opinions weekly held. Um, big fan of that quote. Miss you on Twitter, Mark. Come back. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I think. So the mission I'm on, I don't know, I don't want to call it a mission. The the tip that I'm on is I went through this shit. Like, I went been through the cycle, like, oh, my God, Discover Bitcoin is the greatest thing ever. Oh, my God, Vertcoin, it's got three free mining algorithms to make mining fair. Oh, my God, Ethereum, it's going to be the world computer. Oh, my God, like, Neo, it's going to do this, do that. And then you come back and you realize, like, it's all, most of it is marketing bullshit, in, in my mind, in my opinion. Most of it is marketing bullshit, number one. Number two, there's only, like, the fact that Bitcoin works the way it does, and it does one thing very well, and it does what it mark it says that it will do, which is enable peer-to-peer -peer resi censorship resistance transactions in a decentralized network every 10 minutes. It's done that since January 3rd, 2009. In my opinion, I would be... Dis or not disingenuous, but I would be. It would. It's too much of a risk to 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 pump the things that I know do not work the way they are marketed right now. Um, I do not feel I need to uphold an image of a Bitcoin maximalist at all. I truly, from first principles, believe uh, that right now it is the only blockchain that does what it says it's supposed to do. How do you in Monero? I would say Monero too. I a lot of respect for Monero. How do you how do you deal with the level of uncertainty of of uh I, I guess for me I just feel like there's a lot of uncertainty associated with saying like something it, it will be the best in the future. Like like that that's what makes me concerned. Um and, and it's mm -hmm. like I, I guess you know if if we want to jump to Taleb it's like like I can tell you what I'm holding and, and I think a lot of people who say that they are Bitcoin maximalists or who uphold that. And again, this is not like you, right? Like this is more sort of like my observations either on Twitter or like talking to people and stuff like that. It's like, you know, they say that, but then they also like, they own a lot of the shit coins, you know? And it's like, you know, you're sort of covering your ass in that way, but at the same time you're talking shit like about, uh, about the other side. Yeah. I will be straight and up. I think it's tough. I'll be straight up. I think I own three shit coins. Okay. Yeah. 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 Monero being one of them. I'm not going to say that. I wouldn't call others. it a shit coin, but yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not going to say the other two, but the other two are bags I've been holding since 2014. And yeah. I've literally just been like, fuck it. I'll yep, hold them. Totally. Um, owned Ethereum at one point, sold after the Dow. Uh, and yeah, I guess people can come at me and say, like, you hate on Ethereum a lot because you sold early. Fair assessment. Would have made a lot of money if I held that. But uh, truly believe that they made fatal design decisions early on. Yeah. And. I don't. I don't see them. I don't see them being around for for longer than a decade. Do you think the crypto space only has space for something decentralized? <sighs> That's a good question. That's a great question. I don't know. I think so. I mean, I think if you're going to, like, that's the whole ethos of why this has started. Like, if you read the white paper, it's supposed to be a peer-to-peer censorship resistant system like that's what a blockchain is like as defined by the person who created it person persons alien ai whatever um 
I do. I do truly think it has to be decentralized. I will go out and say that. So what about like, now I mean this is a totally different function, right? But if you have, say, like a big accounting firm, um, I mean, theoretically, they should be able to use a blockchain to eliminate a lot of jobs and make their their function a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, that's a privatized blockchain. It's not a cryptocurrency. But, you know, could you see, you know, one step, one order of magnitude away from that, right, is like a common, uh, like, uh, function that, you know, all accounting firms can use. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, again, like, that's where things get murky. Like, I would, I would alienate the two. You know, if you want to call it a distributed ledger technology, fine do that don't try and don't try and uh conflate it with bitcoin like in my opinion yeah no they're they're, they're two two totally different use cases exactly because then i mean i'm just like thinking out loud right now so if you just did that and then theoretically you or me could then purchase that um i mean if we wanted to if if it was changed and then what you would essentially be doing is investing in the accounting industry through a different method other other than like an etf of accounting stocks exactly and that's just not as interesting to me i'm more interested in the revolutionary aspect of creating a new money like money only comes around so many times in human history and the fact that we are alive during the emergence of a new money is fucking incredible and that's what interests me and that's what i decide to spend my time on and thinking on writing about talking about absolutely i also to go back to like what initially pushed me to I guess say yes and like jump into the game I mean the way that I viewed it is a very similar way to how you just described it it's like I mean this is either going to be uh, I don't want to sound like melodramatic but like you know like uh, world changing or it's not going to be anything and like I'd rather take that lottery ticket yeah uh, that then than, than not. It's binary. It's binary. We talked about this yeah. at the Ace Hotel. It's fucking binary. It's either worth zero or it's worth nothing. I'm sticking my neck out there. I'm saying it's not going to be worth nothing. It's not worth zero or nothing. It's worth zero or everything. Like I'm, Yeah, I'm, exactly. So the problem and, is... Oh, I'm sorry. You know what comes into it? It's like... What really comes into it is like... Like I was telling you, like punk rock and shit like that. It's like a, a re- rebellion against a system that I don't think is is as as beneficial for everybody as it can be. And I truly believe that the core of the system is money and the way money is created in its current form allows for a lot of negative externalities that, that have made society sick to an extent. Again, we've got opioid addictions here in the States. Opioid addiction at all-time highs, heart disease at all-time highs, depression at all-time highs, the disparity between the rich and the poor at all-time highs, like, Yes, we have the Kardashians, we're, we have the internet, we have TV, we, the rich, we never go hungry and shit like that, but I think, I think we're, we're sick to an extent, and the core of why this society is, is sick is the way money is created and who's closest to the spigot uh, really affects sort of everything when it trickles down, or because it doesn't trickle down, Reagan. Um, Big fan of Ronald Reagan, but that was a dumb economic policy. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, I, so so everybody that jumped in around the time that you and I did, theoretically, they're in the black pretty heavily. Uh, do you do you think they uh, 
do, do you think there's a conflict of interest there? Like, I guess personally, I feel a little conflicted because obviously I've been running my mouth about this for a long time. <laughs> um, and like, especially to the people that I'm, I'm, I'm close to and like my friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's real awkward when, when, you know, I'm doing that and then people take the jump when it's at like 15 and now, <laughs> and now I came into this office when I was fucking 12 <laughs> on its way to 20. I was like, yeah, fucking buy a li-. I was like, I did not say go <laughs> all in. <laughs> I was like, start getting some skin in the game. Like, that's what I was saying. I was like, buy a little bit at a time. Like, please do not go. All-. Like, I was literally like, please do not go all in. Nobody fucking listened. They fucking went all in, started buying shit coins, started buying Tron, Iota, everything. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Fucking just like sitting there like Mr. Crab, that Mr. Krabs meme, like just fucking like uh, out of like out of, out of whack. Yeah, yeah, I got now it. Now I have a blog written about me a week about how stupid I am. So, ooh, I, I, I want to get on that at some point too. <laughs> um, I, I I found that entertaining, but um, but y- yeah, no, oh my god, like I talk to people, it's like, oh yeah, I decided to jump in the crypto space, and then it's like, oh, like that, that, that's sick. What'd you get? And it's like, oh, I just bu- I bought Ethereum because it was really it was way cheaper than Bitcoin. It's like, oh dude. Like <laughs> the unit of account bias, or it's it's bad, it's bad. I mean, especially with Ripple, people are like, Ripple's going to go to three hundred. I'm like, uh, that'd be a thirty trillion dollar market cap. I don't think that's happening. People don't understand <laughs> that with stocks either. That's the thing. Oh, do you do you follow uh do, do you follow Wu Tang Finance on Twitter? Oh, was Dude, one of the best followers on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, by, by far. far. Yeah, I, I mean, like people legit like don't teach this stuff in school. I mean, I mean, no. I, I was not taught it. I had to figure it out myself. Not even in college, but like after college, yeah. uh, like all of that stuff. You know, you know, with respect to like stocks and ju- just like you know how cash works, how a loan works, how interest works. You only learn by doing. I am so fucking happy that I realized that, or I was lucky enough to go to college in Chicago and able to work full-time my senior year and take night classes and I learned more during the day when I was working than I ever did at class yeah no doubt yeah and that's yeah so that's one thing that's a tip I'm on right now is trying to educate the masses there's no masses following me that the the maybe 5,000 people that that know what I'm doing just trying it's better to... than the nine that I got <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that goes up after this at Bob Fogg B double excuse me b-o-double-b-f-o-double-g um on twitter look them up hell yeah um yeah so that there's obviously a lot of confusion and that there's another beauty of the space is that it's such a nascent technology and a new asset class again new asset classes don't come along that often and Ooh, sorry can i interrupt you go. is it nation or nascent because i've been saying nascent my whole life but i'm totally willing to admit that i'm wrong uh again i'm an idiot screaming online Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I literally nascent, have no nation. idea. I, th- I think it's a preference thing. I okay. think you could okay. say either or, either either. It's the same thing. Okay. Cool. Nation, the SC. I would say conscious yeah. nation. Yeah. I was working with the silent C there. Yeah. 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 Huh. Okay. Sorry. I think they both work. I could be wrong. You could be wrong. <laughs> Maybe we're both wrong, and it's like nascent. <laughs> That's probably more <laughs> likely than anything else. Um. Yeah. So that's the one thing is like trying to. Uh, I mean, even try that's the other thing for me because I write the newsletter every day and do this podcast. Like, who the fuck am I to like give people advice? Like, nobody knows what they're doing. Like, uh, and that's like, I've been really careful with how I market what I'm doing here. It's like, hey, so the newsletter, Marty's bent, Marty's bent, my inclination and what I think in this space. Like, literally, the tagline of my newsletter is like, here, here's what I thought was interesting. I'm just going to like explain it to you. I, I, I'm not an authority figure at all. I have no authority in what I'm saying other than I've been around and, and can say, tell you people what I've seen, you know, you people. 
You want to talk about your uh, the the thing that you linked to today? Yeah, that was some pretty heady shit. And I got my wife was out uh, with her friends last night at dinner, so like I I got to like throw on some music and read a bunch of shit. Nice. And I listened. I before I throw on some music, I watched some George Gilder, uh, George Gilder, Scandal of Money. Uh, what, what, I'm not familiar. He wrote Knowledge and Power. Uh, very very prolific author uh wrote a lot about information theory specifically in knowledge and power and i watched a couple of interviews with him describing information theory uh and it's some incredible stuff and it's very applicable to bitcoin um andrew desantis bitcoins um uh what's that fucking show on usa network um about the futuristic Oh, oh, Mr. Robot? Mr. Robot. Oh, I love there that show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Never watched it. Oh, wait, are you serious? Oh, dude, you got to get on it. Actually, okay, wait, so can we go back, Let's go to, back. Um, to what we were talking about um, when, when I asked the question of uh, of having like a decentralized currency? So, so what, there's been three seasons? Do you watch it? Yeah, yeah. There's three seasons. Second season was second season was okay. Um, third season was back. First season was phenomenal. Um, is I don't know if you know anything about it. It basically I'll give it a plug here. Hopefully that's okay. Free ads. Yeah. We're giving away free ads. <laughs> no yeah. spoilers here. <laughs> yeah, it, it basically deals with um s- someone who it, uh, it it deals with someone who has like a lot of uh like it deals with the concept of mental disorder mm-hmm. and, and then also the concept of societal disorder and, and it, and it sort of melds those two. And then they're two very different storylines mm-hmm. um, on the societal disorder front. Um, they actually, there is a, there's a large conglomerate uh, that plays a very big role and they introduce, th- th- there was, there's been a societal collapse and they introduce their own uh, coin. E-coin, right? Yes. That's one of the best troll accounts on, on crypto Twitter. Oh, really? It's the E-coin CEO. <laughs> that, that, that guy is a badass on the show. <laughs> that's um, that's the only that's the only reason I know Mr. Robot is like via crypto Twitter and like that the CEO of E-coin. Like people people making memes about that. That's funny. Well, so so I think that's a good example of. Uh, a situation that could potentially arise that you know it's not decentralized and that's also a good situation not not even talking about currencies but just from a political perspective of where a a company has more power than a government i could see that but that's the whole like even like the still a centralizing a centralizing aspect like that i think it's completely decentralized or nothing like the whole ethos of this is like the way i view when i close my eyes and I visualize Bitcoin. I've said this before. I see like a huge beam of light going up to the air. Maybe it goes through like the middle of the earth, which actually doesn't make logistical sense. Let's say, let's say we're talking about like a town of a hundred people and in the middle of the town, there's a huge beam of light that goes up in the air. When I visualize Bitcoin, that's what like I visualize Bitcoin is that beam of light that anybody can go to the center of town and just embed information into. And every 10 minutes, a new beam of light shoots up, maybe. I don't know. I'm describing this terribly, but and just embeds the information. It's a public utility, in my mind. And if that's going to be distributed by a company like Ripple or something like that, like it's just a non-starter for me. It comes back to first principles, and from first principles, it's grassroots, organic, or nothing, in my mind. Um, could be wrong. I could be very wrong, but uh, I just got a feeling. It's a visceral feeling. It's a gut feeling for me. 
I'm uh, from Northeast Philly. We're 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 big on instincts and yeah, you, you go by your balls, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go by the balls and go by what you're fucking feeling and and try to back it up with some some credibility. But again, like I just I've I've got this gut feeling that this is like a once once in a lifetime, not even lifetime, once in a probably like ten generation opportunity. Um, and I think there's a lot of confusion. So there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people trying to apply old world sort of structures and tendencies to this new technology. And I think they're just going to get blown the fuck out. Like it's, uh, like in the sovereign individual, they talk a lot about anachronisms. So an anachronism is when you try to apply an old structure to a new paradigm and it just doesn't work. And that's a lot of what I see happening in my opinion in the, the shitcoin space and, and all these crypto hedge funds popping up and all these ICOs. It's just a bunch of people trying to apply sort of the old world structures to this new paradigm. I don't know if you have anything to say to that. I feel like this is like turned into like you interviewing me. No, I sort of like it. Like I never get asked <laughs> questions. <on here. laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's like, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this stuff too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's just tough, right? Okay. So one example that I, I have, um, and I was introduced to this a, a long time ago, and this was actually before you're in my time, but, uh, Back in, I mean, I don't know, I guess the 80s, uh, there, obviously, you're familiar with VHS. Uh, mm-hmm. Potentially, some people who are listening to this may not be familiar with that, which is a pretty crazy thought. Right. But before VHS reigned supreme, there was a, a another a, a competitor to that technology, the, the video like tape technology, called Betamax. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I guess what ended up being the case was that Betamax was accepted generally speaking as a as the far superior technology mm-hmm. and now I, I don't know like what what that meant back then right but like you know either like it played at a higher definition or faster or whatever right doesn't matter obviously VHS ended up winning and that ended up being like the household name and you know I, my, my understanding is is that, you know, that was really just due to all these other externalities, you know, whether that's like marketing or like, you know, a, a large company getting behind it and being able to push markets. And, and I think, you know, the, the question that I would ask is like, let's pretend that some huge ass conglomerate just like, you know, is able to develop some sort of coin that has an ease of use like tomorrow. I mean, that is far, obviously far beyond Bitcoin, Right. Would you, do you think, do you, I think for the common person that it's tough for them, at least in America, to, to really think critically about the decentralized aspect. I mean, I think you and me are, are a little bit removed from that and we've geeked out to it, but I think what a lot of people care about is just like whether it works and they don't want to think about that shit. And, you know, presumably like Bitcoin could come along and, you know, get to an ease of use. But like if a company is just throwing like billions and billions and billions of dollars into it to make a slick app and just have that app work, I, I mean, like, uh, I guess like Venmo is a, a decent example and like everybody uses Venmo, right? It's like, you, you know, you could, you could take that concept and then just like go beyond and like have it be like a crypto thing. Um, and, and I think that would be a, a 
threat to a certain degree to Bitcoin. Now that doesn't they wouldn't kill Bitcoin by any means, right? No. Uh, like like it, I think in the long term, Bitcoin would have a much stronger use case because of that. But I, I think when you're looking at it from a price perspective, I, I think that could significantly hurt it. And, and a lot of people that are using it to invest in it, they could get hurt, and then they could be like, "Oh fuck that!" Like I'm going to jump to this other thing. No, I could. I mean. I don't know if I could see it happening, but I could. I mean, I could see somebody attempting to do it. Like but, presumably speaking, yeah. Yeah, presumably, and and I'm apprehensive to make like the tech analogies to Bitcoin because I truly believe yeah, it is too. like a black swan, like fucking fuck shit up type thing. Like yeah. I don't like. I hate when people say Bitcoin's MySpace. I'm just going to be Facebook today. Somebody from MultiCoin Capital uh, said that. Uh, <laughs> Proof of work. They just, they, they just raised a ton of money. <laughs> Anderson Horowitz was it, was, it, was, it, was it 50 mil? 50 mil. I 50 mean. 50 mil, and they're trying to raise like 200, 250. I got it in my... Uh, I got it on my uh, on a, a newsletter that is completely uncrypto related this morning. <sighs> the analogy that was made was proof of work versus proof of stake. Comparing proof of work to BlackBerry keyboards and proof of stake to like the fucking iPhone keyboard. I was like... This makes no fucking sense. Like, there's like, there's like this. I hate when like people try like to make these analogies because in my mind, it's like analogies work in some senses. Like, in some senses, I'll agree. They're not the best way to make an argument ever, but sometimes they make good arguments. Um, never the best way, but sometimes they are a good way. When it comes to Bitcoin and trying to compare it to things of the past, you have to compare it to something on such a macro scale, like fucking salt. Like, have you ever read the book Salt, the History of Salt? No. So there's like a, there's like an 800 page book on the history of salt and salt was basically a currency back in the day and it was a, yeah. like multi generational yeah. fucking currency like and and then you could dabble like into the spices and stuff but salt itself I'm sure was like the backbone exactly right? yeah. like if you're gonna compare it to anything you have to compare it to like something on like the scale like like a, a like you can't compare it to like a fucking MySpace and Facebook like a website that took over another website in the past 15 years like that's fucking stupid in my opinion like you have to compare it to something that changed civilization on a societal level and those those things only happen very few times in my opinion i agree so quick question or observation i guess on proof of stake now whether whether that is an appropriate uh like way to go about bitcoin is not the question that I want to ask, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or like move away from proof of work, like whatever, right? But I, I do think it's a really cool concept and I like it a lot. Um, I, I think one thing that sort of blew my mind is I have uh, I, I have a friend who is uh, has to be uh, Sharia compliant. Um, so, so he's Muslim. Oh, Sharia compliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, we're, we're good at pronouncing things. <laughs> so using proof of stake and being able to stake allows for a current income, a current yield component to an investment that otherwise would not have been able to exist for him because you're not allowed to participate in debt. And theoretically, or most of the time, when you're getting yield, it's it's due to debt. And so this is actually an avenue that's totally opened up to, to, to get a yield because of this new thing. I, I just thought that was fucking wild. It is wild. Um, and I staked, so I've staked a coin. I've staked a proof of stake coin for two years straight, like on, on a fucking Mac laptop. And it was incredible. Like it was like just a stream of income. I, it's wild, right? It's crazy. It's, like, it's crazy. And I just like literally kept my Mac open next to my bed under my bed for like two years and was making fucking staking interest. 
Yeah, just think about the people that literally, like, they'll buy a separate computer specifically for staking. And then I'm sure, you know, you could even, like, trick it out and then, like, you know, run, like, a bunch of different coins on it. And it's just like, dude, if you start up with enough capital there, it's like your your income streams are like, I mean, that's it. Because obviously, like, you know, that's higher than, I mean, whatever sort of interest you're going to get. And that's, um, its Achilles, like, that's its Achilles heel at the same time. Like, you need that, that accumulation. And that's where I would argue that, like, the later movers in a proof of stake consensus mechanism are more disadvantaged than late movers in a proof of work consensus mechanism. Oh, totally. And it's going back to heuristics. We love Taleb. We love heuristics. It's too easy. It's too fucking easy. Nothing should be that easy where like you can just like, it just, it, well, the margins will absolutely get cut at some point. Exactly. But like right now it's like this it's like crazy golden goose. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's, if the masses come, when the masses come, like I just don't see proof of stake working. I don't see it being scalable, and I don't see it being scalable in a decentralized way. Like it's scalable in a centralized way because proof of stake is inherently centralizing because it encourages hoarding. Obviously, I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. I encourage hodling, but at some point, uh, but you don't you don't make interest on your hodling. Like you don't. I don't get. I don't get. I don't get yeah, it's an equity interest. return. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, and I don't see that. I don't see that. I just, it, and it's inherently, it's inherently less secure because you have to have somebody basically verify for you. You can't verify with math. You have to, have to verify with somebody already, like, who's hoarding these coins and like, all right, follow my, my chain to what I got to, you know. So what about a paradigm that, basically has a couple or let's just it's just bitcoin as as the backbone and then uh, i mean this goes without saying but a large reason why people are interested in like investing in the crypto space is because you know is to make money right Mm -hmm. i mean can't you imagine a situation that's perpetually just having people jump from coin to coin to coin to coin and it just never that's what's happening yeah it's coins all the way fucking down but like what how does that look in 20 years well i think people realize just continue no i think people that's yeah that's what another one of my investment points or investment theses is that like people sort of call bullshit after a certain point when when that point is i don't know but at some point people are going to put their hands up be like all right first it was ethereum then it was eos then it was neo then it's fucking geo whatever it's gonna it's coins all the way down and turtles all the way down and people are just gonna it, bitcoin it's just going to suck everything in like gravity. It's like, this is the only thing that's been around, does what it says it's going to do. And that's the other thing from a marketing perspective, Bitcoin doesn't have to do much more. Like it just says like, Hey, we're going to enable peer to peer censorship resistant transactions. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to promise you the world in a marketing deck. Like we're just here. You can plug in, you can download the blockchain, start participating in consensus and basically use our network to, timestamp trust every 10 minutes you can go to the center of town and use the public public utility that we have created and it's going to take time it's going to take time because just think exactly like you said think about there's always going to be something better there's always something better and what are we going to do have society fucking transition from chain to chain to chain like every fucking two years like that just makes no fucking sense in my mind yeah i don't i i i I don't disagree with that but I don't know. I think it's just tough because 
if you look at the way people are amused, um, that the, the attention spans have dropped significantly. I mean, well, think about it. Okay. What that's the other thing about Bitcoin. It's going to change us more than we change it. Like, we're not going to be able to apply these blockchains to what we want them to do. Bitcoin is going to change us. It's already changed my time preference. So I don't have that fucking low attention span. Like, I'm worried about the news. Like, oh shit, I'm going to, like, this week. Like, when 2000, 2012, Marty would have been like, fuck, I got to sell. I got to sell. I got to sell. But now, 2018, Marty's like, I'm not fucking ever selling. I'm using this as fucking collateral in 20 years to buy a fucking island. Like, people don't understand the, uh, the the willpower associated with, like, you know, especially when it was, like, jacked up at 20. It's like, yo, you're going to sell. You're going to sell. It's like, dude. Like Iron Fist, I'm not selling that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but that yeah, and that's my point. Like this shit is changing us. Like it's changed me. I can I can speak for myself. It has changed me. And those tendencies of running from coin to coin, people are, are sort of going to realize, hey, these hodlers who've been chilling on Bitcoin for like ten years have turned out actually really really good. Like maybe we should adopt their investment strategy and and just just stick to one thing. And that's another thing. Like if it's going to be money. It, money is only a shared illusion between the masses and it's got to be one shared illusion at the end of the day in my opinion okay I'll agree with that um okay so so to you don't a, have to agree do you agree do you agree I I agree That's, that I, I have highest I have the highest conviction that Bitcoin is going to be around longer than anything else right mm-hmm. but like but that being said it's like I I only have that like I only agree yeah you have to play be, just because but like I only agree with that just because of the fact that like that is basically like representative of of what I like own and also it's just like that's the only thing that like makes sense to me right like I I think it's really tough for me to be like oh like you know I think this other thing is gonna jump in because it's like I I think the reality of the situation or at least the way that like I, I I feel when I'm like most honest about it, it's like, dude, I have no idea. Like, like I, I think it's really, really hard. And and if something just like blows out the water, like like okay, let's pretend that like uh, Tezos drops tomorrow, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. If they don't get subpoenaed, <laughs> if they haven't been subpoenaed, <laughs> let's, let's pretend that drops tomorrow, right? And um, and it just like blows out the water, and like for whatever reason, everybody is buying. It's like I I. I, I I am willing to admit that that's like a totally feasible situation and therefore it's like dude like I don't I don't know how to deal with that right it's like maybe bitcoin gets fucked by it I mean I don't think so but I'm also willing Here's to Here's why it won't. Yeah. We're we're going to talk about Taleb. We're getting to Taleb eventually, but like let's bring Taleb into this right now. Like okay. the rule of the intolerant minority. Like you can't form fit governance structures on blockchains. They are anarchy at their core. Like it, they are anarchy on the web. Like you cannot form fit like a governance structure where people vote to make things happen it's not the way they work these systems are run or true public decentralized blockchains are run by the minority the intolerant minority that was proven last summer two times with the user activated soft work and the note segwit 2x the intolerant minority in bitcoin stood up to the vc money and the incumbent unicorns in the space who wanted to change the nature of bitcoin and basically said no this is decentralized money that we all get to participate in we're not going to let you change bitcoin because it's not in your best business plan or it's not in the best uh it's not in the best interest of your business plan you know like and in my opinion last summer 
proved that Bitcoin is run by an intolerant minority. And if you ever try to form fit a governance structure on top of it, it's it's, it's going to defeat the purpose of what's happening. So I think it's a good black and white line when you're saying like, you know, we're either fighting like the VCs and like, you know, corporations versus like, you know, true decentralization, right? What happens when there's a situation where that argument is much grayer and not black and white? And and I think like that that's also like a tough situation to deal with where like, you know, like the argument is a matter of preference more than anything it's else. popping up now with the, uh, the proof of work debate. Cobra. I mean, he's an anarchist from all I can tell. Um, Anon. He wants to change the proof of work because he thinks Bitmain has too much of a monopoly. And that's something where he's not a corporation. He runs open source, sort of free, uh, nonprofit. He runs Bitcoin.org and uh, what else does he run? BitcoinTalk.org as well, um, which are open forums where people can discuss this stuff. And he's got strong opinions about proof of work. He thinks we should change the algorithm. And a lot of other people who are were fighting alongside Cobra during user-activated soft fork and Node2x disagree. Uh, this has not played out. We don't know how it's going to play out, but again, it takes time. And going back to what you were saying, like, what if something takes over Bitcoin? Again, it's strong opinions weekly held. I have a strong opinion that nobody's going to beat Bitcoin until somebody proves otherwise. I'm going to hold that opinion weekly. I, I, I know uh, you, you touched on this, I think, last week. Um, you want to talk about IOTA? <laughs> Let's get into it. I, I mean, <laughs> I I will preface this with like the only thing I know by by IOTA is the MIT audit that I read. I believe they launched it or excuse me, released it in March of last year, like maybe a year ago. And I read it then. It was basically all right, non-starter. These people are fucking stupid. Like I'm not even going to pay attention to this project until like I came to this office. People were like you buy an IOTA. I was like. I was like, for some reason, I don't like IOTA. Like, I had to, like, refresh my memory of why I hated IOTA. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, yeah, don't buy the shit. So I was perusing the multi-coin or multi-coin website today, and they actually have, like, little, uh, like, assessments of, like, each coin. I thought that was interesting and, it was, like, a cool little uh, feature. But either way, um, I, I got to admit, I love the idea of the tangle. Um, I, I think it might be, like, implemented really poorly with IOTA. Um, but like, I think their concept is really fucking neat and, and I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, uh, like, like explain tangle for us. suckered by it. Okay. So basically like you got a blockchain, right? And a blockchain is just like a line of transactions. It's like, like an Excel, like one Excel row of just like fucking, you know, thousands, I mean, millions of like, you know, uh, like rows long. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or I guess one row millions of columns long or vice versa. So with a tangle, what it is, is like, um, it's probably easier to like show it but basically you have one dot and then from one dot if you if you can imagine this two two arrows are coming out and then of that one dot and then they each form their own dot which then two arrows come out of it again and then it's like a multiplying it's like a Merkle chain. tree yeah, yeah yeah you can call it that right um and so each of the two preceding uh nodes or dots or whatever you want to call it verify the the previous transactions right so the reason why iota is was there was so much hype around it and also why it didn't work is because of the fact that um there was so much hype around it is because this is not a blockchain it is like a new concept of a cryptocurrency mm -hmm. where ev every single it, it's a non-linear uh thing so, so they call it a tangle right mm -hmm. and, and it's basically like a web instead of just like a, a line and, and so so that's really fucking cool because it, it requires so little um 
so little energy to like run each node and then you know so what they were saying or at least the concept is that you could uh appropriate it to like uh, like a toaster and it's like an internet of things uh version of like a blockchain or 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 uh, like whatever right um so then you you know you could have your toaster talk to your fucking watch to talk to your cell phone can talk to your like you, you know your your light switch in, in your house and, and you don't you have to use the centralized like google home we're gonna get does co- that make sense it does make sense it does make sense and we're gonna get cosmic here okay let's do it so this is like iota and nano ryblox whatever they're fucking calling themselves now like they have those like rybloxes you run your own blockchain everybody runs their own blockchain and they immediately sync up somehow i don't know the nitty-gritty I'm going to argue that proof of work, the amount of energy needed to mine a Bitcoin block and the amount of energy that secures the Bitcoin network is completely necessary to give it value. Like it's a, it, when you get to like a cosmic level, like things revolve around energy. Yes. Like I believe, I honestly believe, I can't explain it. I'm too dumb to explain it. This is a heuristic. I think the expended energy on Bitcoin makes it what it's worth. Like you need that sort of gravitational pull to the the value system in my opinion i don't know why i don't know how to explain it i just like heuristically speaking like the amount it's of like hard things are worth it that's the concept exactly exactly that and and that's my first principle sort of view on on like proof of work versus other consensus mechanisms tangled i mean it's I, iota specifically maybe tangle is cool but iota specifically trying to like spin up your own fucking crypto cryptographic collisions is fucking stupid well, well, well yeah so, so so that's the whole thing though it's like you don't have to carry the blockchain right you only need to carry like the two preceding like 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 uh interactions or whatever the fuck. I, don't, I don't know like their lingo or whatever i, I watched like some really long ass video and then i read like some long ass paper about it and i was like oh shit like y- you know that what interested me about it was just the fact that um it was a it, it was totally different than just saying like oh we're gonna do bitcoin but two minutes instead of 10 <laughs> right at least they're getting creative <laughs> yeah exactly and it's like i respect that right um so 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 it's like okay i i totally like i geeked out to that now now the issue of that the the issue there is that um like there the problems are associated with uh like freezing the like like freezing the whole tangle and that's what like uh, they have this thing called like a coordinator or administrator or some shit like that i don't know exactly what it's called something centralized sounds yeah 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 that's exactly what it is it's the centralized thing that basically has to like you know check like how and and make sure that everything runs non-starter 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 Exactly. Doesn't and, work. And it ruins it totally, right? So my thought, and again, like, you know, I, I am no uh, I, I am no cryptographer. I don't I do not know how to code. I took a um, one computer science class in college and I had my buddy who's a coder uh, do do the final for me. So <laughs> <laughs> Boss. <Yeah>. Boss. <laughs> so, so I can't say I, I can't speak to the technicalities of it. But like why can't instead of um, you know, having this like centralized, uh, like like person or you know decision maker, like you know freeze everything and make sure everything's right. It's like why can't you just have like a timed like uh, thing that basically like freezes like every previous transaction? Because I guess like you're like it, without the coordinator or whatever, it's like you can easily just like fucking like flood the system and then like fuck it all up. Um, and, and I just feel like you know there, there has to be a creative way, like or potentially it doesn't have to have to be, but I, I just there, I view it 
conceptually as like th- there could be a creative way to like do that without just having a long string of numbers that are you know gigabytes and like you know much bigger than gigabytes transferring every every single time and it's like okay another way around that is obviously um like segwit right and just like you know pulling it off off the block or whatever but, mm-hmm. but yeah yeah taking the witness out yeah um yeah so it's just like it's i like, don't have as much or, I have a little bit more coding experience than you. Not enough coding experience to ever consider myself a developer or anything like that. My coding experience goes so far as I can make you a shitty website with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. But my other coding experience uh, comes from when I worked in the Madness Futures Fund. I was working in MATLAB, and I was pulling data from Bloomberg using a code base that our CIO had built. So I learned a little bit about code and pulling data and utilizing APIs during that time and fucking software is hard man it's really hard like it's really hard getting it right every time and that's one thing like that people don't realize especially non-technical people like it is extremely hard and that's another heuristic i fall back on is software's hard like and yeah and the pipe dreams that everybody's selling with these blockchains like we like barstool like we run a fucking cms on wordpress and it's hard it's fucking hard like trying to create a decentralized monetary system is orders of magnitude harder. And like, I just like, I like the Philly coming up at me. Like I'm calling bullshit on most of this shit. Like it's bullshit. Like you're not going to be able to do this. Like we can barely figure out how to build a CMS and make sure it doesn't have any bugs. Like to think that you're going to create a tangle system that has no bugs, like from scratch. It's just like it, I find it like the probability of that being a possibility is, is so minute in my mind that like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I also think, though, you could make that same argument for the people that were messing around with whatever the predecessor to Bitcoin is. Um, yeah, when well, they were talking about that, you know, and they're like, oh, like, you know, this is really hard and, like, there's a lot of bugs. Now, now that you're being making, said, I, you're making my case for me, though. Yeah. And all those people are now working on Bitcoin and not yeah. focusing on and calling bullshit on everything else. And that's another, like, I don't want to appeal to authority here, but at some extent, especially when it comes to software development, you have to appeal to authority. The most people do because most people are dumb when it comes to software development. Like you have to know who to trust, and that's another heuristic I fall back on. I have met Bitcoin developers in person. I've sat down and talked to them and asked them why. Why do you think this is stupid? Why does this not work? And when they fall back on their first principle sort of software development minds, they're like, "This is why it doesn't work." Like I would never do. Like coming from like a security perspective, like I would never do this. Um, it has been proven to not work in the past. Like proof of stake has been proven to not work in the past. Um, what but it's I, not dead. It's definitely not dead. I mean, people are going to keep iterating on it, but that's another thing. So like I talked about this. Who did I talk about this with? I forget who I talked about this with. But the one thing with like Ethereum specifically, another heuristic that I, that I go on is like Vitalik's what, 23? He's young. 23, Vlad's my age, he's 26, 27. Like, all these Ethereum developers, like your average crypto fund, crypto hedge fund manager and, like, Ethereum developers, probably, like, 26, 25. They don't have enough, like, experience to, in my opinion, like, just falling back on heuristics. Like, they don't have enough wisdom. They haven't been through, they haven't been battle-tested enough to know that what they're building is not is not like ironclad like any old school cypherpunk that's been around for like 40 years 
is working like and is interested in cryptocurrency is focused on bitcoin from what i can tell do you think it's good that they're doing it though do you think it's good for the ecosystem that you have guys who are uh rebelling against the idea of bitcoin or or do you think that's yeah oh yeah competition's good everywhere i mean it's fucking what makes the the world go around is competition i think it's good i just don't agree with them i mean and that's okay. That's okay. I have friends in Ethereum. I have Ethereum developer friends. I'm going to have an Ethereum developer in here next week, like Lane Reddick, who he's a head uh, researcher for the Ethereum Foundation. Like he's going to be, he's actually, if you're in New York City next week, next Thursday night, uh, he's hosting uh, a debate, proof of work versus proof of stake. Matt Corallo is going to stand up for proof of work, and I forget who's going to stand up for proof of stake. But I really like these guys. Like I like, when you meet like these people in in person like i have no problem having like intelligent like civil conversations with them but at the end of the day like you can't force me to agree with your perspective but i think if you can smile at them and tell you tell them you don't agree with them i mean like that that is all like 99 percent of the battle and then you're in a good place right yeah. it's like when you don't agree with someone and then you're just like yeah fuck that dude yeah um like like the person specifically no you can't and that's the other thing people have to realize you, like and that's one thing i get bad at sometimes like I mean, it's tough. It's like literally it's, against human nature. Yeah, exactly. But that's you have to you have to separate the person from the idea, and it's not easy. I think I find a happy medium that we're like I like, and I'll openly admit I could be wrong, and I I openly seek out these people. Like, prove me wrong. I have not been proved wrong yet. In my opinion, like it, it, I have not been convinced that I'm wrong yet. Would you ever want to have someone on the podcast who just like straight up like like still thinks Bitcoin is gonna crash or it's like fake or something like that? Would Would you think that'd be like interesting or a waste of time? Yeah, just, just out of curiosity. This dude uh, working at Google, uh, I forget what part of Google. Where Adam Singer, you know him? He's on Twitter. He fucking hates Bitcoin. Like like shits on it any chance he gets. Like have him on the pod. I've oh we've DM'd like next time he comes to New York he's gonna oh, come that's on. awesome yeah that's I'm great. like that's great the, I don't know if the next time I have, but I would DM to be like yeah. I'd love to have you on the pod like I want a contrarian view like yeah. it it is a and who knows yeah we could this could be a fucking Bitcoin could be just like a fucking mass confusion like a bunch of idiots maybe we're the dumbest people on earth <laughs> maybe I don't know I don't think so but we could be yeah if you if you, <laughs> if you look at the if you look at people's uh like uh, PL statement. That's probably not the case, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's um. Oh, sorry. Yeah, look, you're interviewing me. B double O B F double O G has got a fucking notepad out. He's taking notes like Grant Wright asked me. Quite. Are you gonna write a paper on this after? <laughs> I don't got time to write a paper. <laughs> um. No. Let's dive into Taleb. Okay, let's do it. I was very my boy. I was very very happy to uh, have have run into you at that book signing. I know that was great. Week. I like turned around and I was like, "Yo, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to dox you in public like that." <laughs> no, there, was, there, was, there was no issues. No, no, no issues with that at all. <laughs> Bob Fog. Yeah, yeah. I, I I like turned around. I'm like walking to leave after it was over, and he's just like standing up, like like waving his arms, being like, "Bob Fog, Bob Fog." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, yeah. What'd you think? Was that the first time you seen him in person? Funny story. No, it was oh, not. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You want to tell not. that story? So around this that, time that, that last year, that was such year, a good setup. A very good setup. Thank <laughs> you for that segue. I get to get a little unintentional. Uh, get to get a little selfish here. Uh, last April, I got married. Coming up on my anniversary. Wish me luck. Uh, um, 
my wife and I got married in Philadelphia, small get together, just our, our parents, brothers, sisters, grandparents. And then we went to Spain, uh, and had a couple of our friends meet us over there. We were in Madrid, Sevilla, wound up having like a ceremony in Ronda in Southern Spain. And while we were there, uh, on Twitter, I saw Nassim Taleb was going to be there or Nassim Taleb. I was like, Oh shit, Rachel, like we fucking might like run into Nassim Taleb when we're down or Taleb when we're down here. Like he's going to be in Madrid and Sevilla when we're, when we're in Madrid and Sevilla, like maybe we'll eat some squid ink pasta with him. And she was like, ah, I wouldn't count on it, honey. Wouldn't count on it. Lo and behold, 10 days goes by, eat way too much cured ham, drink way too much wine, smoke way too many cigarettes in, in the parks. Cigarettes are too cheap over there. Are you a cigar guy? No, no. Uh, so, I, so Bed of Crusties, the reason it's my favorite book is because it's like a cigar book. Like, I mean, it's like a cigar porch. Like, you know, you sit there and you smoke, you know, like a cigar takes like I an can, hour to smoke and then you're just like flipping through and it's like, it's fun. I can, I can smoke cigars. I cannot smoke cigars when I'm drunk. If I smoke a cigar when I'm drunk, the hangover, this is the worst hangover. The hangover the next life. day is like, I, I, I yeah. love cigars, but I will not do that. Or yeah. at least I've done it too much and I try and avoid it. It still yeah. happens. But yeah. yeah, I cannot do it drunk. I can do a, I can do a sober cigar, but a drunk cigar will put me on bed rest I, for I, fucking like 12 hours. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, so we're over there. Lo and behold, 10 days go by. Did not see him. Fly back to from Madrid to JFK. I'm a fucking wreck. Like, I, at the last day we were in Civi- or in Madrid, I thought I was having a heart attack because I ate so much fucking meat. And I was like, my wife thought she was pregnant. I, I was like, she, she told me that. I was like, oh, my God. I thought I was having a heart attack. The trip ended on a good note, but, like, a low note. I was like, all right, like, it's time to go home. Get back to JFK. I look like shit. I'm wearing like sweatpants and like a, like a like a t-shirt. It's fucking like hot as balls out in New York. I'm waiting at baggage claim. My hair's all unkempt. Like I probably smell bad. I'm waiting for my bags to come up, and I look up to my left, and nothing until I'm sitting, standing right there. And I was like, "Fuck, this is where I run into him." Like a baggage claim. Like after our trip's done. And, like, I'd, like, tap my wife. I was like, Rach, like, that's in the scene to love. Like, the dude, like, I was talking about all trip. And she was like, go say hi to him. I was like, nah, I can't right now. She was like, if you don't go say hi to him, I'm going to walk up to him and introduce him to you. So she basically forced my hand. That's how you know she's the one. <laughs> exactly. But, like, he was so dumbfounded. He was like, why the fuck do you even recognize me? Like, he's got such, like, a niche following. I welcome him. I was like, uh, Mr. Taleb, huge fan. Actually reading the Black Swan right now. I was like, oh, like, thank you, thank you. Like, big fan. And it was just in passing, like, shook his hand. was like, big fan. He was like, thank you, appreciate it. And that's, that's my Nassim Taleb story. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. So, okay, it was your second time. It was also my second time. I think before we dive in, I, 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 I'd like to at least acknowledge the irony of you and I discussing Taleb's book, Skin in the Game, while I am using a pseudonym. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> while we are both. Yeah, 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 people exactly. Know Marty, <laughs> people know Marty's not my real name. Marty got thrown on me. My real name is a lot stronger than Marty Ben. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Um, but you know, that being said, I definitely don't got fuck you money. And, uh, I, I, uh, I guess I am what he would classify as a, uh, modern day slave. So, uh, I'm, 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 fi- I'm fine with that right you now. wage slave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still, I, I still need a paycheck. So I'm, I'm keeping it that way. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody at Barstool calls me Marty. So my, pa- my actually, I signed a contract under Marty Ben. That, that, that's awesome. So, actually, as a slight divergence. I don't. I don't know if this is appropriate or not. Do, do people in the office like refer to them? So, like, refer to each other as like their like barstool names or like their real names? No, people call Big Cat Dan, uh, fights John, KFC Kevin, in the office. Yeah. So, like a good differentiator. Yeah, definitely. 
it's not i mean and also separates the uh like the the persona from the person yeah exactly and that's one thing people like especially with pft like pft is like a fucking satirical character yeah people don't realize that like some people don't realize that outside uh, of barstool uh, when you're hanging out with pft like outside the bar he takes his glasses off and you have like a real conversation with him it's like it's different um okay sorry i've only done i've only done that once it's not like i hang out with pft like all the time Um, so Taleb, well, what did you think? I mean, I, I really liked it. It was very similar to the first time I saw him. Um, so it was under the exact same situation, except when Anti-Fragile came out. Um, I mean, he's really, he's really funny in person. And I think if you like read enough of his stuff, it's like, of course, this is what he's like. I mean, I mean, especially because, uh. I don't want a fanboy over seeing him in person. Let's talk about his concepts. Okay, let's roll. Would you consider Bitcoin a black swan? Like that depends on the, who who you ask, right? It's like if, if you ask a cryptographer and someone who is coding, they would say no. Um, and if you ask like me and you, like like pro- probably yeah, right? Because it's it's all relative. Like I don't know, but like uh, so so if you work it with the definition of a black swan, it's like you know, you know if it's an unknowable event. I mean, I guess for you, um, uh-huh, you, you know, yeah. when you're working with the sovereign individual and, and like the the the, the pression like concepts there, it's like yeah. But for me, I mean, like yeah, totally, dude. Like you know, when I was uh, you know, much younger in 2011 or whatever. It's like it, it, that. That was not on my radar. No, no, and that that's actually a great point you brought up. Is that like the, the crypto, like Bitcoin was foreseen, like by people. Like we're eventually going to get this. We just don't know when. Yeah, and, and you know, so the definition of the black swan is like it's an unknowable, unforeseen event, and like mm-hmm. the unknowable part, I think, is really like tough for a and lot of people to deal with. And that's an and that's another sort of that's what I wanted to get on the overuse of the term black swan. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's become that, totally vernacular. Exactly. So this was an example of an overuse of it. Maybe Bitcoin is not a black swan. Um, so let's dive into the, like, without bastardizing it, what is, like, a perfect example of a black swan, if we were going to describe it to our listeners? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I think, again, like, starting with the premise that it's relative, uh, you know, it's it's it can really, I mean at least in my opinion, it, it can be something that, like, I, I want to make sure I'm speaking correctly here, but, like, you know, something that is, like, totally, totally unforeseen. Okay, okay, yeah, actually, here, here's a good example. So, uh, for the financial crisis in, like, 07, right, I, I was uh, I was working at a small company at the time. Um, it was, like, a startup-esque vibe. And, and some, this was after 07, um, before 2012. And, uh, so someone she, she was working in the office and she was like oh yeah like you know when, when I was in the fi- I used to work in the financial industry and like everybody like knew like that that, that the markets were going to collapse blah 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 like b- before then it's like you know like th- this was not a black swan to me um, you know for a lot of people if you're looking at um, you know some m- mom and pop who run a uh, who, who run like a clothes store in Wyoming and like you know are not like tight to you know whatever is going on and on like wall street it's like yeah it was a total black swan and you know when you're when your 401k gets rocked and uh put you know cut in half yeah cut in half cut in 75 if not yeah exactly 75 percent for some people and that was like that's another reason i'm a bitcoin like i've talked about this many times on this podcast like i was a senior in high school when that, all that shit went down and just like, what? How the fuck could this happen? Like, how the fuck could the banks fuck up this bad, and then we confiscate poor people's houses? Like, just again, going back to heuristics and like first principle shit, like that pissed me off, and I, 
I think at at 17, I got like a thought embedded in my head where it's like I'm I'm I want to fucking fuck these banks up because this was completely unfair what happened. I don't know if that clouds my judgment, but that's just you know that you're you were victims of circumstance. Well, I think it totally clouds the judgment. I think the real question is like whether it's appropriate or not, right? And and mm-hmm. like that that's a different question. Um, you know, it's like is it okay to like be 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 against someone who is basically perpetuating like crony capitalism i mean like in my opinion like no right but i mean i think in other people's opinion the answer would be no. like yeah that is fucked up why not crony capitalism yeah like you know it's like you're basically like i'm saying against that oh yeah, yeah. i yeah. thought you said like oh <laughs> i was gonna say i thought you were like yeah I'm for crony capitalism yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. well this is going to be a heavy topic. I don't know. Okay, let's roll. We can dive in. Like, do we truly live in a capitalist society right now in the U.S.? Okay, so this is a funny thing, right? It's like if you um, if you take someone who's like a hardcore uh, like communist, right, and you're like, yo, like communism has never worked, and they'd be like, yo, you're an idiot. Like, commu- like real pure communism has never like uh, <laughs> like <laughs> has, never has been, been tried. Like, tried before, right? It's like you know the exact same thing goes with capitalism too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like it goes both ways. It does. It does. And that's like, I would argue we are not as capitalistic as we were at one point in this country. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There has been a centralizing factor. I mean, capitalism probably thrives in a completely decentralized sort of laissez-faire state. Mm. And we are definitely not in a, in a laissez-faire state. No, not at all. I mean, I mean, like, there's there's a ton of centralization. The, the government, like, runs a, a a ton of things. And I mean, like, you know, a, from a lot of different people's opinions, like, the government should have control over a lot of different things or they shouldn't have control over a lot of different things. And, and you know, it's like your definition of capitalism is, like, you know, where does the government lie, like, in, in that like in, in that system, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, what should be unregulated versus regulated? Um I, I know we've discussed this before off off the air. Um, have, have you? Did you ever dive into Russ Roberts and Econ Talk? <sighs> I have not yet. I have not. Okay, that's on my list. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's a Chicago guy. Um, he, he he's a big, um, big, I need to get big libertarian. That. Thank you for reminding me. On that. Oh yeah, actually, actually, by the way, um, so he's boys with Taleb. Taleb was on, I think, like last week. I, I, I want to say, um, to discuss to discuss the new book, obviously. You know, yeah. he even he can't escape uh, do, 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 doing the book tour. <laughs> but 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 either way, I mean, it's like yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely the United States has a capitalist bent to it. But uh, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of things that that is regulated and the government touches. I mean, I, I think you know it's really hard to have an ideological opinion. Uh, or it's really easy to have an ideological opinion on like what the government should and shouldn't touch, but then when you're looking at it from on like a case by case basis, like a really, pragmatic, yeah, position, it's really difficult. Like, yeah. it, it, it's really difficult to decide that. Yeah, I yeah, but I come from like I come from sort of the position that like the people running our country right now are so fucking dumb. They don't get technology. Like listening to the Senate hearing on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies with the CF or the CFTC and the SEC. Like, some of the questions coming from the senators, I was like, holy fuck. Like, how are you making decisions for 326 million people right now? Like, this makes no sense to me. Like, there's such a disconnect between the amount of knowledge our politicians should have and what they do have. And, again, this is a – I don't want to blame the politi- – like, I will not blame the politicians personally. I will blame – the system that they've been thrown into where they have to focus more on raising money and campaigning than actually knowing what they should be legislating on. 
I agree with that. Um, I guess two things, right? So my first thing is a direct response to that is like, okay, so then like, I guess what is a better system? Um, it's not something I've given a lot of thought to. I, I think I spend much more time like criticizing than actually like finding solutions. When it comes to this. <laughs> I think we all do. I think we all do. Um, you know, and then the second thing, it's like, okay, so what is, do you think it's a question of like a type, like it's more common on the type of person that wants to be a politician than anything else. Oh, a hundred percent. Like you have to be a fucking psycho to want to be a politician. I mean, like I, I like a full blown psycho. I, I also agree with that, but I also <laughs> think it's really easy for me and you to say that because we are not politicians. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. dude. You like, uh, you have to be a fucking psycho. You have to be a psycho to want that power. To yeah. want that power. Yeah. Like, well, and it's like, it, it's like power without like work, you know? Yeah. Like, like it's power without it's, like, it's, like the work associated with it is basically like charming people. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough. Charming your way to the top. Fucking Donald Trump is our president right now. Like or charming or persuading, I guess it's like depends, right? It's like, but but they're, they're, they're slightly different, but two sides of the same coin. Yeah, and yeah, like I, I find it so. We, I think I don't know. Well, it's also really funny because his so, whole his whole platform was that he's not a politician. Yeah. Right? That, but, uh, I mean, you can say that, so you're president, you're a fucking politician, like, by yeah, definition. I, I, I don't disagree, but it's de- it was definitely a different um, platform than, like, a lot of the other, or at so, least wh- whoever, you know, else he was going against in the primaries or whatever. So we talked about this on the podcast that was never aired. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Um, Wait, which one was that? The one with, the one last week that we did with Black Jack Fletcher. It's not going to air. I'm sorry. I know I, I know I tweeted about it, but Matt Brown has shut it down. There was too many things said. That that's, can't be that's disappointing. Black, Blackjack's my boy. Um, Blackjack's is fucking psycho. So what we got in the conversation uh, during that podcast was like, so I brought it up to the to the boys. So why do we have politicians? Why do we have governments? Why do we vote for these people? Two hundred and seventy. Two hundred and fuck we're coming up on 50 years in 2026 right um like two 200 plus years ago we created america and we have this representative democracy that has grown over the last 200 plus years at the same time we have this technology we've had industrial revolution now we're transitioning into the information information age excuse me we vote for politicians to speak for us like when we vote for when our government was created, the whole concept was is that local municipalities would vote for individuals to go speak their mind at a central location where you didn't have telephones or the internet where people could call in and express their views. So we voted on politicians to go to the central place and represent our views. I argue now that we don't need to give up our voices. We don't need to vote for politicians to speak for us. We have the technology and the wherewithal to speak for ourselves. It's just figuring out how to, how to like uh, aggregate what people want and sort of, we don't want a direct democracy. That would be fucking hell. We don't want- You mean direct democracy, mean meaning one vote um, like per person and then it's just like straight, like, uh, straight like aggregate and that's it. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. don't want that. That would be hell. But- there's gotta be a way like we do not like going back to the mechanics of a politician the mechanics of a politician is they are to speak for their constituency 
they are to be the voice of their constituency because when these this representative democracy was created it was not possible for everybody to have their voice heard i would argue now today it is very possible and we should reorg the way our government is structured so that we don't have to give up our voices to psychotic politicians. So if you don't have it be representative, but you don't have it be direct, that means you would have to weight each individual vote by each person. And I don't think that would go over very well. Oh. You know what I mean? It's like theoretically speaking, like in a uh, in a much more populous area, like like on the coasts or like in New York, it's like, you know, your vote would only be like 0.5 of someone who lives in like South Dakota. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's what we have the college, that's what we have the electoral college, the big with the electoral colleges. Oh, I, I mean, I, I totally agree, like, conceptually, but it's just like, you I know. know, that's the, that I'm not would saying, be the marketing I'm not saying tagline. I have the answer. I'm saying yeah. there's an answer out there somewhere. Okay, yeah. There's gotta be. Yeah. Like, there's gotta be. There, there's an answer to out there to that, just like there's an answer out there to uh, solving IOTA, right? <laughs> <laughs> true, true. But I would argue, that's why I'm interested in projects like Democracy Earth that are experimenting with liquid democracy, where... You can vote on certain things that you're very knowledgeable on, but you will delegate your vote to somebody that you know is like very knowledgeable on another subject. Like you don't, you know, you play, you sort of play to your strengths and let other people play to their strengths, which I think makes more sense. I don't think we should have fucking Lindsey Graham from South Carolina making decisions on everything, like on on computer science, on war, on policy, economic policy, on like these individual politicians should not be making decisions on every fucking subject. Like there should be experts on each subject making educated decisions, in my opinion. Sam, hop in here. What do you think? And <laughs> yeah. get, get close to the mic. Get, get in here, Sham. Not my cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Sam's, you guys keep rolling. Sam's going to hold off this one. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. So, okay. Um, the first thing is that I think one of the more fucked up thing is like when when they're passing a bill, the ability to hide individual caveats within laws in bills. I, I think it's just like wild. Let's go back that to that's tarp. How it works. Let's go back to tarp. Do you remember tarp? I mean, like I, I'm the aware toxic of the concept. Asset relief. What's the P? Program. Program. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the help. I got you. So that was that was being passed when I was a senior in high school taking this economics plan class excuse me and we went through the TARP plan and exactly what you're saying politicians were holding TARP hostage unless they got like one, one line yeah. one line was like the the arrows in Kansas can be this sharp like literally like shit like that had nothing to do with the financial crisis these politicians were just sneaking laws in for their local constituencies and holding the country I mean I don't agree with TARP. I don't think there should have been a bailout, but like going back to the mechanics of what was being passed, like they weren't going to pass it unless they got these fucking side deals in. It's totally unrelated too. And, and like that's the fucked up thing. You exactly. Know, like, like the side deals were totally unrelated exactly. to, yeah. to the problem yeah. that they're trying to solve. Um, so I, I guess to that example, uh, I guess, okay, so I read an article like might have been a, a year ago at this point about some Eastern European country that basically put their entire government uh, apparatus like on the blockchain. Estonia, I believe, right? Yeah, I think you might be right. It was a really long article. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was like a tiny ass country. So like, you know, they, they were able to do it. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to mention that because obviously like that that is an example of it like or at least by the tenor of the article a year ago it was working and not only like, it was working like very, very well. Um, 
so uh, a, another example of it more from like uh, a thought perspective is th- there's this book that's pretty well known. Um, it's like a sci-fi book. It's called Hyperion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's like, I don't know. Never two... read it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it's, it's, it's really well known. Um, and so th- basically everybody is plugged into what is like the internet. Uh, you, you know, it's like their iteration of it. And, you know, that allows for, like, every, like, and when I mean plugged in, I mean, like, physically, like, like plugged in, right? Like, like you know, they can still, like, move and stuff, but you got, like, a, some sort of chip, and you're, you're, like, connected to, like, everybody else's, like, thoughts at every at every point in time. And you're also allowed to, like, I'm pretty sure it's in this book, uh, you, you, it's, like, real-time voting, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the positives and the negatives associated with that, it's like, okay, you can vote real-time, so every citizen does get a voice, but also it sort of at least in the book, it devolved into a situation where, like, you're voting on the stupidest shit. It's like that Black Mirror episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's like that true. Black Mirror yeah. episode where they're like, everybody, ever, after every interaction, you have to uh, yeah, rate, rate, rate somebody someone, on yeah. a scale of one to five. Like, that would be a terrible world. Yeah, exactly. And it also devolved into the people that, like, it was the equivalent of people that, like, watch daytime TV, right? And they are the ones that are voting on everything because they have nothing to do and they're actually not, like, doing shit, right? Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think it's, like, uh, you know, that is an extreme example. But, you know, it's a case of, like, okay, you know, if you're giving that uh, the, that voting power to each person and for them to do it automatically, it's, like, you know, personally, I, I I think I would prefer that than the current situation. I mean, it's really hard for people to vote, right? Um, it, it's, like, really difficult. Um, I'm gonna say, I mean. Yeah, I, I have pe- a feeling I know where you're going to go. People get pissed I've never voted. Never will vote. Me neither. I never will vote. <laughs> Like I get yelled at so much. South Park, <laughs> South Park described it perfectly. You're voting between a douche and a turd sandwich. Like, so would you vote if it was on your phone though? Like, then it's so easy, dude. I, I, I haven't. I've never not voted because it wasn't easy enough. Like, I, I have polling stations like around. I've never voted because I think it's fucking stupid to participate in the system that makes no sense to me. The difference between walking down the street. And like having to wake up early in the morning before you go to work or whatever, like that, out. and then yeah. also just like yo, know, you're you're like on the shitter, and I mean, you're this, like, oh, I don't know what to do, and it, then you, you know you're like flipping is, through Twitter, and then you flick it open, and then you do it. Well, that's Santi's point: is we vote every day when we like and retweet and like Instagrams, like those. That's are votes. in the free market, but that's it, not in the politics realm. Well, maybe that are we breaking through here? Like maybe that's like the way it should be. Like the best <laughs> idea. Eh? No, there's been. I mean, there's been like viral tweets that have been like proven wrong through time but like that's that's our current system of voting like is this model of hey i'm gonna like your tweet i'm gonna like your instagram like your facebook post like that is a way of voting some people would argue um oh i mean definitely is and you know that also goes down to is it virtue signaling though which is like (laughs) do we want to live in a world of virtue signaling that's all another story yeah um there's no cost to someone to send a tweet that you know pretends to care about a, a thing that they expect to be universally like backed. It's oh, the easiest way to go viral. It's like yeah, dude. I mean, that, that's, that's actually opaque. that. That's what that's what Taleb's all about too. It's like yo, you need to have some costs associated with what you're talking about, or or, or it's like your opinion don't doesn't mean shit. Let's get into it. Let's get in the game. Yeah, let's, let's break roll. down the concept. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And well, and okay, so two things, right? And at least I think that I have not read the book yet. Um, but you know, that being said, he like posts a lot of shit uh, on Medium and stuff. I think the two biggest things are the, the fact that um, the, the the negative incentives are 
far more important than the positives and positive incentives, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you got to have your neck on the line in order to be able to like actually like speak to something. That's why I'm a maximalist. I think that's skin <laughs> in the game. Like I'm yeah, calling bullshit on up. everything. Like fuck. Like uh, like being yeah. a maximalist has become like a heavy contrarian view. Like I would argue. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that at all, especially for everybody that's jumping in the game now. It's like there is no one that is going to that has gotten into or at least most people that have gotten into Bitcoin in the last like six months or a year, there's no way they're like, oh yeah, I'm only going to like do Bitcoin. It's like, no, because to them, the weighting of all the other stuff, like whether it's Ethereum or Bitcoin Cash or, or, or like whatever, um, you, you know, it, it's it's sort of equal weighting in their mind. And if anything, it's actually worse to jump into Bitcoin because it's like, oh, Bitcoin already like jumped the gun, right? Like Bitcoin's up and I'm not going to make any more money on that because it is so fucking expensive. It's like $10,000. It's $20,000 where it's like, oh, like shit, this other stuff real cheap. I mean, have you seen like coin like it's not, it's just got on coinbase and it was only like, like 40 bucks or i don't i don't even know what it's at right now but you know and it's like it's just to- totally different yeah and it's 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 uh it's a pattern right there's waves we talked about this like when we met at the ace hotel like there's waves and that's why i'm ardent in my maximalist views because like a lot of these people are like, nah, dude, you're fucking stupid. Like, this shit's not going to... Like, Bitcoin's going to get blown out of the water. It's like, you look at their Twitter account created, like, August 2017. It's like, all right, asshole. You haven't been through this wave yet. I'll let you get blown out and fucking taken with the tide. Come back to me in two years when you're like, all right, you were right. Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, no, no the thing nah, is, We don't know if never, I'm going to be right, well, but, like... Well, the other thing is, like, they'll never say you're right. Right. And and I think this is the this actually is a perfect segue into the other point that I think is like really important. And this is this was hashed out very well that I didn't understand it really uh, again because I haven't read the book. Um, But like from the other stuff until uh, the podcast that he had with uh, Russ Roberts on Econ Talk, um, it's like, okay, so the, the real benefit there is. You know, ideas don't die, and he, he actually he talked about this at, at the talk as well. It's like the ideas don't die. It is the um, the 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 people that hold the ideas they die, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's really important. But like the the meta observation in, in that instance is that like individuals aren't rational, and like individuals don't learn from seeing like other people die in a system, right? Like the system itself is rational because it allows the the, the idiots to like get get knocked off. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to have that sort of uh, correcting mechanism within a system, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight up. But it's like you know, so if if you see, um, like, say, say me and you were, you know, in like a group of like a hundred people, and we're supposed to like bet stocks or whatever, right? Um, and like you know, we see like you know someone who bets like all their money, like we start off with a hundred bucks, right? And like you know, like say me and you, uh, like like I I bet uh, all my money in one stock. Uh, and you bet like you know five stocks twenty bucks each, right? And it's like I die real quick. It's like you know the the concept is not like you don't learn from like watching me and be like oh like that was fucking stupid. It's like it's it's a it's a higher it's like one order above that, and it's just like you know because like I am not there in the long run. It's like the system is going to be healthier. Yeah, yeah. Like an or, an organic system. An organic right? system. Like you talk about like fractals and shit like that. And fractals yeah. are messy and fucking. Yeah, you you ever read a. Uh, 
what's the dude's name? I read this in college. Mandelbrot? Mandelbrot, I have not, but Santiago, we're fucking riffing off Santi again, but like he's gotten deep because Mandelbrot talked a lot about information theory from what I understand. Uh, the book that I read is, had a yellow cover. I don't remember the title of it, but it, it was it was about fractals. Mm-hmm. It was actually really easy to read. Like I'm not a huge math guy at all, um, but like it was a it was a very accessible book. Yeah, that's uh Hey, we're adding it to the book club. What <laughs> yeah, what right. is the what is the title of this <laughs> yeah, book? Let's, let's, let's quickly Google. That. <laughs> uh, we're we're I'm dead ass serious. I'm I'm actually to let you freaks know. I'm creating a website. I'm finally getting to it, and we're nice, gonna have, we're gonna have a book club list. We've got a uh, sovereign individual number one, Marcus Aurelius meditations, all of Taleb and Serto, um, human action by Mises. What else do we have on the book club? Um, Sapiens. I don't know who it's by. Uh, Knowledge and Power by George Gilder. This is a verbal list for you. And now we're going to add a Mandelbrot book. So it's called The Misbehavior of Markets. Um, but then the, the the famous one, that it's, it's, it's called The Fractal Geometry of Nature. That's not the one that I read. Mm-hmm. I read The Misbehavior of Markets. And he essentially like takes the concept of fractals and he, he like applies it to uh, like markets because, you know, in his opinion, they're, they're organic systems. Um, yeah, because they're, at the end of the day, the endpoints of these markets are humans making decisions. Exactly. And... And human. humans can die, and like, and like that—that's the—that—that's the positive of the situation. Um, and that's um, who the fuck was talking about this today? No, George Gilder. George Gilder. Last night when I was watching that video, like uh, the Wall Street Journal uh, interview he did. I don't know where you can find that, but he was talking about like we only like humans as a species have only gotten this far because we we know how to like hold knowledge within us and pass it on to the next generation like we're the alpha alpha fucking species on the planet because we can pass information on from generation to generation growing our knowledge base to a point where like it it allows us to like speak through these fucking microphones and send to the internet i have no idea how that happens but it happens because of people that came before us and we're one of the only we're the only species in the world that can sort of hand down that knowledge from generation to generation. And that's hugely important. It is super important. And also, I mean, if we want to bring this back to the realm of politics, that's why, like, you know, if you deal, if you have someone who loses a bunch of people money or who screws a bunch of people over, but then they're not exited from the, from that same, like, social circle, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're you're not properly or accurately representing an organic system. Um, I mean, like, a, a, an easy example is, like, someone who, you know, someone who was running a large bank and then, you know, during the financial crisis got bailed out and then was hired for a political position. Or a politician that then that bailed out a bunch of banks and then was hired by a bank. Um, you, you know, it's like that, that that is not an accurate representation of like like conceptually what would happen in in, an, in a natural way. What happened in February 2009 was so fucked up. All these banks got bailed out and all the fucking executives left with tens of millions of dollars of bonuses. Like, oh, I'm just going to walk away. Not a away. bad deal, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Fuck, man. Okay, so then the question is, though, acknowledging that that system is better, um... Or, or at least, okay, that's a little too strong of a statement. That that the system where you know people have to pay for their sins. Um, how do you how, how do you weight that 
versus the idea of like not leaving uh humans out to dry or i guess like the concept of like humanism right where, where like you, you know you really want to like you know care for someone and uh you, you know you you don't want people to be like screwed by the system so because I, I think in certain degrees they can be in direct relation or direct conflict with one another so this is a great tweet kevin fam love him or hate him He's one of the most controversial people on crypto Twitter. I fucking love him. I very much appreciate the tip that he's on, sort of forcing people to think hard about the space. And this is something that I don't think he brought up originally. I think other people have brought this up, like DeSantis has brought this up, Andrew DeSantis. But anarchy on a global scale. When you come oh, up, I've, I've seen this. Actually. Anarchy I on a global this, yeah. scale. Um, what is it like? It's libertarianism Li- on a federal scale. On a, libertarianism on a federal scale. Socialism on a... No, no, no. Republican on a state scale. Socialism on a local scale. And then communism, um, communism on, on the family scale. On the yeah, family I, scale. I, I didn't know that was associated with that dude. But yeah, I, I saw that and I, I loved it. I, I think it's spectacular. It makes sense though, right? Yeah. It does. Like, because there's yeah, fractals absolutely. of this shit. There's like yes. different levels of this shit. Well, it's 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 degrees of... Um, so let's like, describe that again okay. perfectly. Like, you did it better than I. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So it's anarchy. Yeah. Now I fuck it up. Um, anarchy on a global scale, right? So therefore, like you know, there are no laws between any like countries, right? So Mm -hmm. like theoretically, like the implications of that are like no UN. Yeah. Um. So so the understanding of that is like you know the UN doesn't really have much power in the first place. Whatever. Right. So anarchy on a global scale. On a federal scale, so like, you know, in between the states, like going up to the federal government is libertarianism. So basically, like, you know, you let the you let each uh, state do whatever they want, uh, you know, within a to a high degree, basically, uh, except for the very necessary uh, things that a federal government needs to do that only need to be regulated, like in between states. Um, and then on a on a state scale. So you're, you're a Republican. So basically like low taxes because that feeds for the most taxes being able to be allocated on a local scale, um, where you're democratic or or Democrat. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so therefore like most of people's taxes are going towards, uh, you know, what they are specifically seeing in like on their everyday lives, like in their town, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with your family and friends, you, you just like, like you treat them as your equals and, you know, if they need something like you, you, you hook them up on unequivocally. Yeah. And that's like, I want more people to adopt that worldview. Uh, it is a mind blowing concept for, for people, especially in this day and age that they, they identify themselves with one party or the <laughs> other. And, and that is There's it. levels to it. There's exactly. levels. It's, like, it's, it's scalability, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's, Maybe that's what, maybe that's the problem we're going to solve in this podcast tonight is the levels of the I'd be shit. okay with that. Yeah. Just like, you know, solving some world issues. But that's a, that's an interesting concept that I'd never heard until recently. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally like, I, I, I spouted that to my girlfriend, like, uh, I don't know, like a few weeks ago and right? she just like looked at me like I was a psycho. <laughs> they, all, all the crypto girlfriends think we're all psychos. Just, uh, it's amazing. Thank God Bitcoin is appreciated in price because I think <laughs> yeah, they would have exactly. left us Otherwise. a long time ago. <laughs> I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> but maybe that's the ending thought that we leave people with. We've been in here for almost two hours. What time? Has is it really it? been that long? It's fucking yeah, shit. It's almost eight. Let me see. Uh, I almost destroyed this art, this beautiful artwork of Viva La Stool. <laughs> um, yeah, seven fifty. 
Yeah, we got one. We're at one forty-five, so we're probably like clipping a clipping like a um, an hour and thirty-eight minutes right now. So we got we got like twenty minutes. Okay. Okay. Um, you want to talk about what you posted earlier today? In the newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. So the newsletter. What I posted today was by Ted Nelson. I believe the name is uh, a paper written or a book written in nineteen eighty-seven called Hyperworld. Um. I only posted the introduction. I only read the introduction. I haven't read the whole book. But basically, back in 87, the way this guy envisioned how the internet would play out was that everything would be, like, distributed via hypertext. Like, everybody would just, like, exchange information via links. And he brought up some apprehensions to the way the internet was evolving because he thought the conf- there was a lot of confusion being made because there was multiple programming languages. Like, you go C++, Rust... And again, JavaScript, Python, all that shit. I believe his his thesis was that the different languages would create like a Babel situation where it's, it's confusing to an extent. And I believe I believe he's still alive. I believe he would argue that the internet today is confusing people to an extent because it's not as easy to build uh, for for applications built in different languages to communicate with each other. Um, but the concept that he laid out in that paper of how how ideas are spread and how language sort of dictates how we how we interact in this world it was fascinating specifically going back to the written word and sequential order of words basically bringing up the fact that you do not need sequential order of words to describe something people can learn things via like memes and shit like that so memes are the example that i fell back on is like we are able to express ideas via a picture and two words that uh, that speak probably thousands of words to people. Um, I don't know where you want to take this, but that's what I'm going to say about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was interesting. Um, I agree with the way that you just described it. I mean, I think, you know, his whole thing was that, you know, in or at least in the intro, uh, throughout history things have been bound by like physical necessities therefore like you know books are in sequence because of the fact that you need to like print it and then you need to like have the paper and then you know like that's how the sentence is structured and you know it's like born out of that now if you look at it from uh like you know with the advent of computers it's like you know that sort of removes it uh i think it was funny how he was like, oh, you know, like you're gonna have like CD-ROMs, and and, and those CD-ROMs are gonna allow you to like jump, on, jump on. Yeah, I, I think it definitely had a. Uh, well, that idea sort of stuck around until like the did. early 2000s. Oh no, it was totally yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, minority Report, like a Minority Report, they were fucking loading CD-ROMs up to the. You remember yeah. that, like Tom Cruise, like fucking. Yeah, like, that was a, actually lo- that was a good movie. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. Great yeah. movie to watch. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, it was like it was like pressure in that that sense because I mean before like when he was talking about it like that was not the case. Um. But I think uh, he, I, I guess where I found myself chuckling more than anything else when I was reading it is like he, he had such a, uh, he was melodramatic, I guess, um, in, in the way he was describing it. Like specifically in the sentence when he was talking about like the uh, the, the, the software and the CD-ROMs, he, he said something to the effect of like the information lords will like deliver the information <laughs> to the information mm-hmm. peons or something, which, which is like funny. There's a good, there's a good argument to be made that Facebook's doing that right now. Well, Facebook. I don't disagree. I just think it uh it, it like mitigates the 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 power that individuals do have. Like a lot of stuff has has gone like like uh bottom up there. 
Oh. Right? Like, you know, well, the whole overthrow in North Africa, like on all those countries, like, you know, they referred to those as like the Facebook revolutions, right? Like, that's not that's not top down. Yes. It, it goes both ways. But again, there's levels to this shit. Levels, levels, levels. True. Um, so I would argue like open source projects like Bitcoin, WordPress, Drupal, uh, Node.js, like shit like that, like a very organic, like bottom up. But then like Facebook they'll sort of like lull their their usership into like a, a sense of security and then exploit them like they, they they like nudge exactly and like it's been proven that facebook can fucking change people's like thoughts like they can literally feed you things that will make you think a certain way and give you certain feelings that's not good uh, so that I would say like that information lords Facebook is an information lord in the sense that they fucking have all of our metadata they know where we go they track our cookies across the internet and then sell that data to advertisers who then are like hey I know you're depressed right now what was the thing about like depression that there was something like recently that like there was advertisers taking advantage of like depression sentiment on Facebook. That that does not surprise me in the least, and it's definitely Neither, fucked up. No. But with the advent of like blockchain technology and what Blockstack's doing right now, and specifically, like Blockstack is coming from the ethos of, no, Facebook should not have that data like carte blanche. They should not be able to get everything, like just suck it from you and basically have it being a pull transaction where they pull all your data from you automatically. It should be a push transaction where you say, hey, if I'm going to interact with Facebook, I'm going to push this data to you. Where And because this is the only data that I'm willing to push to you. Um, so maybe that's like, so that goes into the argument of maybe the first iteration of the internet wasn't the best iteration and there are more iterations to come. Uh, maybe build on blockchain. Did you ever read any of the Freakonomics books? I've read chapters of Freakonomics. Yeah. So Roe v. Wage blew my mind. Um, the Bagel Experiment blew my mind. Um, what else? Uh, uh, well, the one that I was thinking of in particular is uh, that they had one I don't remember specifically. This was a long time ago. But they were discussing uh, how to solve for the problem of people not being a uh, organ donors. Um, and the, they, they basically, the government changed it. I forget what country it might have been in the U. No, it was, it's not the U.S. Um, but they, they, they tweaked it so it was between a push and a pull transaction, right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I forget what government it is. But basically, like, you know, in, in some situations, like, you are assumed to be an organ donor unless you decide to opt out. And, like, that basically, like, solved the problem. I mean, uh, yeah, the problem of, like... Of of not having enough organ donors, yeah, because well, like it's it's a real fucked up situation. Let's bring up an externality. Okay, have you heard this externality? Like, so the medical associate or like the medical industry is very, very, very afraid of automatic cars, like uh, or of uh, self driving cars, because a lot of the organs that get donated to people come from car accidents. So, the advent of self driving cars is going to make it so that there's no car crashes and no organs to be donated and there's going to be like a shortage of organs to be donated on the market like that's like is that a negative or a, i mean obviously it's a negative externality but like what is the net net like is the positive of like no people dying in car accidents bigger than not, people not being able to get organs like that's a that's a heavy question. That's like a Freakonomics stat right there. Yeah, those are hard policy decisions. And then it begs the question of should you be able to sell your organs on the open market? 
Like, or, or it should be a should it I'll be a black market? I'll fucking sell my kidney. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sell a kidney, hundred grand. Yeah, seriously though, I'm, who like, wants I, it? I don't know what blood type I am. I'll go get tested. Yeah, That's, no, is that bad that I don't know my blood type? Oh, dude, I don't know my either. <laughs> so, 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 I guess what we can take out of this podcast is neither of us have voted. We don't know how to pronounce words correctly, and we also don't know our blood type. So, so no. this is good. We're adults. You're uh, listening to the dumbest people on the internet right now. Congratulations. <laughs> um, let's not end on a dumb note. Okay. Uh, oh. I, okay, I, I I got a question that I'm curious about. It could be construed as dumb. Go for it. Okay, so like, um, I'm sure you're aware uh, that uh, what's his face McAfee mm-hmm. uh, s- said he's eat, he would eat his own dick mm-hmm. if Bitcoin were a million bucks. I think he said 500 grand. Okay, either way. Yeah. I mean, like, the question is like, would you rather be able to watch him eat his own dick or have it be 500 grand? I've seen, I've seen dick chop before on the dark web. I would not wish that on anybody. Okay, I'd rather <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I feel like I, I don't see, want to know what that is. I see, it's like it's like uh, fucking Mr. Hands. Have you seen Mr. Hands? I don't know what that is. Either. You guys did not watch enough crazy internet <laughs> videos growing up. All right, I've seen dick chop. I would not wish that on the world. Um, I would take the five hundred k. Okay, that's fair. Just curious. <laughs> do not Google. Do not Google. Do not Google what I just mentioned, Mr. Hands or Dick Chop. Dick Chop might be- As you pump it like three times. Dick Chop might be one of the most traumatizing videos I've ever seen in my life. I regret watching it. It's replaying in my mind now. I'm a little, a little shivering, shivering behind the mic right now. Um, so we're going to end it on Dick Chop tonight. Uh, Bob Fogg, B-O-double-B-F-O-double-G. Marty Bent, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Where of course, Can we find out more about you, just Twitter? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I guess my Twitter- um, Double B double G, uh, uh, B O double B F O double G. Come on, yeah, get it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna, dude. I'm literally like trying to like look up what my Twitter handle is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can find me there. And do you have a parting note for any of the freaks out there? Like, uh, I don't want to say advice, but like, just like a one. Yeah, man. Uh, buy Bitcoin. Like that, Sam. Anything? One tidbit. Dude, you guys are great. I had to let you roll with that. I, I want I want one line of advice from Sam. Anything. It could be anything. It could be if you don't use it, you lose it. Like any, Something like that. Whatever. Hi, Sham. It's <laughs> perfect. And you heard it here first. All right, freaks. Uh, that's all we got this week. Peace and love. <laughs> Woo! Awesome. That was fun. Yeah, right? You guys are rolling. <laughs>